If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited and renditioned to the United Soviet States of America. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice, broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. Then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. Also, the London premiere of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, will be at Rio Cinemas on Sunday, the 18th of February at 1 p.m. The film will be followed by a panel discussion and Q&A with Tariq Ali, Kristen Krafensen, and hopefully Stella Assange. To find out more, go to Google and search for The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, London premiere. Uh, as always, TNT is lighting the fuse for freedom. Uh, what, what else is going on on the planet? We've got, we already mentioned uh, the BRICS news. Um, we've got this interesting comment from Edward Snowden. Uh, he's commenting on uh, Jake Sullivan stating, uh, uh, where basically Jake Sull Sullivan is uh, discussing amending FISA, the FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Service Surveillance Act, to require a warrant for every query of lawfully collected data. And Snowden has come out and said that the White House, arguing from the podium, that it no longer believes the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution serves the interests of the United States. Super, says Edward Snowden. Uh, we have the House impeaching Mayorkas, finally, in historic vote. Uh, but people are saying it's not going to go through the Senate. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. We've also got e the U.S. seizing a plane that Iran sold to Venezuela. The U.S. claims Iran violated its sanctions when it sold the jumbo jet to Venezuela. Uh, Boeing 747 cargo plane that Tehran sold uh, to a Venezuelan state airline. Uh, it's been grounded for 18 months, uh, and um, they finally taken custody of that. Uh, also, Venezuela is a uh, report that you know, mainstream uses Venezuela is violating international law over Essequibo. Uh, Guyana says uh, Venezuela's troop build up along its border with Guyana is a breach of international law, says Guyana's uh, foreign minister, telling the Financial Times, says we are following the rule of international law. Venezuela is violating it, although we do know that uh, Guyana is heavily backed by the U.S. government's um, also, White House briefs lawmakers on serious national security threat related to Russia without providing details. And someone brought to our uh, attention that a couple years back, uh, I think two years, three years back, was it? Um, the IMF and 10 countries ran a cyber attack simulation on the global financial system. So again, uh, they war gamed this sort of scenario and maybe that's what they're going to carry out and blame Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, North Korea, you, you name it, pick, pick your poison. And we're seeing more action in the Middle East. Hezbollah has launched an unprecedented attack on Northern Israel. A soldier was killed. Several were wounded in a command center in Safad. Uh, and, uh, Israel launched an extensive wave of retali retaliatory strikes on Lebanon, uh, as well. Israeli warplanes have been widely reported to be flying at a low altitude over Beirut. Uh, and uh, there's fears the conflict on the Israel-Lebanon border is about to expand into major war. Meanwhile, Netanyahu has uh, pulled out of talks over delusional Hamas demands and hostage families are stunned. And Dilma Rousseff has come out and said BRICS will overtake G7 in economic might by 2028. All right, why not give TNT a follow? We're on all the major social platforms as well as alt tech. Check us out uh, on Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, Getter, Rumble, Pentagon Tube, Odyssey. Anywhere you can find us, help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk.
Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. According to Sky News, an artist in the south of France says he's planning to destroy up to $45 million worth of arts, including pieces by Rembrandt, Picasso, and Andy Warhol. If WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange dies in prison, here with the story joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Avori. This is a very, very interesting protest project. Um, the artist's name is Andre Melodkin. Uh, he says to Sky News, the British broadcaster, that he has put a collection of masterpieces, I believe 16 works of art altogether, uh, that have been donated to him, uh, partly, uh, into a 29-ton safe hooked up to two barrels. And now this is something like out of a movie. Uh, one of these barrels contains an acid powder, and the other contains an accelerator, which, when pumped into the safe, will create a reaction strong enough to destroy all its contents, the art. Uh, the project has a name. It's called Dead Man's Switch. Yeah, uh, it's backed by Assange's wife, Stella. Um, Julian, of course, unfortunately, uh, is currently in jail in the UK, awaiting his final appeal over extradition to the United States to face charges under the Espionage Act, which will take place later this month. Uh, WikiLeaks published thousands of leaked documents relating to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and Assange is alleged to have conspired to obtain and disclose U.S. national defense information. I'm sure he is no stranger to the audience here, but uh, the WikiLeaks founder, in case you didn't know, he denies any wrongdoing, and his lawyer has said many times that his life is at risk if he loses his appeal. Uh, Malodkin, who is originally from Russia, but now lives in France, told Sky News, quote, in our catastrophic time, when we have so many wars, to destroy art is much more taboo than to destroy the life of a person. Since Julian Assange has been in prison, Freedom of expression, freedom of speech, freedom of information has started to be more and more repressed. I have this feeling very strongly now, end quote. The safe apparently will be sealed on Friday at Malodkin's studio in France. And uh, according to the report from Sky News, it will be eventually moved to a museum. Malodkin says that the safe will be hooked up to a 24-hour timer which must be reset every day or else it will trigger the release of the two barrels corrosive substances inside. He says every day, each day, the timer will only, only be reset when someone, quote, close to Assange, end quote, confirms that he is alive. Gianpaolo Abandial, a Milan art gallery owner, told Sky News he initially rejected Malodkin's idea, but he has now donated his own uh, a piece from his own collection to the project, and a Picasso, if you can believe it. Uh, Abandial said, quote, it's more relevant for the world to have one Assange than an extra Picasso. So I decided to accept Malodkin's offer to participate. Let's say I'm an optimist and I've lent it. If Assange goes free, I can have it back. Picasso can vary from 10,000 to 100 million. But I don't think it's the number of zeros that makes it more relevant when we're talking about a human life, end quote. Uh, another artist, Franco B., told Sky that he has donated one of his own pieces to be put in the safe. He said, quote, I thought it was important that I committed something I care about. I didn't donate something that I found in the corner of my studio. I donated a piece of work that is very dear to me that talks about freedom, censorship. It's important. It's a small gesture compared to what Assange did and what he's going through, end quote. Uh, Assange's wife, Stella, says the project asks the question of, quote, quote, which is the greater taboo, destroying art or destroying human life? She says to Sky News, quote, the true targets here are not just Julian Assange, but the public's right to know and the future of being able to hold power accountable. If democracy wins, the art will be preserved, as will Julian's life, end quote. 
There we have it, Herbori. What do you think about this particular means to get people's attention? It's an interesting form of protest. Um, I'm not sure if it's the best uh, idea. I guess you can say something is better than nothing. Uh, if he's willing to forego the $45 million worth of arts, uh, you know, weighing the cost benefits, um, you know, who am I to say anything? Uh, you know, we could use more protests uh, as well. You know, I, I recall the 2003, right before 2003 and the, and the insane invasion of Iraq, I was marching in Chicago with, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, there were millions in Europe. Uh, and I feel like this is another one of those um, moments, occasions, um, people need to get creative in terms of nonviolent uh, ways of resistance and protest. And so, you know, th this thing with the arts, that's one option, uh, I guess. Another is, uh, you know, getting in front of embassies or you, um, government uh, buildings like they're going to be doing in, out there in the UK. Yeah, I don't have the answer. It's really a difficult time. And this is, again, this is going to set an insane precedent going forward if he is renditioned to the United Soviet States uh, of America. Y your thoughts, uh, Rakas? Well, I've noticed that the mainstream media here in America likes to just gloss over any details. They just they just give them the the, the top level Wikipedia entry like label like, oh, well, yeah, he's a traitor to the country, but here's what's happening to him. But they don't go at least they don't go too much into detail, like trying to paint so so much so in like so many words that he's a bad, evil person and that he he deserves to just die in prison. So. They don't have very much on their end. And then you, you turn to the other side, the alternative media, you look on X. I mean, even Elon Musk, big, big fan of, you know, Julian Assange, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, this is I hope that, you know, all eyes will continue to remain on this case and that he will hopefully go free and very, very soon, uh, because we would hate to not only lose him, but we would hate to lose all these masterpieces for boring. No, it's always interesting when the West says, oh, look at poor Navalny in Russia or Juan Guaido or or this or that. Uh, and we've had on occasion, right? Uh, I think the president of um, Azerbaijan, there was a great interview he did with the BBC Journal saying, what about Julian Assange? Uh, you know, and it's just um, an example of how the West is just we're going down the drain into totalitarian dystopia. Uh, well, we'll just see what happens. Hopefully we have a good ending this week we we will see uh, all right ruckus thanks for that enjoy your texas barbecue uh out there uh we've got a great guest coming up May, might be familiar to some of you uh right after the break tnt's steve malsberg now that they've gone to the supreme court the trial cannot start based on the appeals court decision they have to wait now for the supreme court and the longer it goes on the longer before the trial could start if they were to rule that he does have to face trial correct correct yeah, okay, good. Well, that's uh, that's good. That's good. That's good for Trump. I mean, obviously. And, and so. it could take several months. I mean, understand. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the first vehicle is actually, it was only three judges from the panel that actually heard this case on the appellate court. He, the Trump team can say, we want it heard before all the judges on this appellate court. So it would take time for that to happen. Then it has to go back to the Supreme Court. And by the time that all happens, you know, these things don't yeah. happen overnight unless it's no. emergency hearings. You but I don't see election. this one yeah. emergency. Steve Malsberg on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing. We can build that. Sustainable housing. We can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 
or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez, and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, joining us, you might recognize this dude. My wife couldn't be here, so this is my Valentine's Day date. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, the one and only Patrick Hennings on 21st Century Wire, TNT, was happening. Oh, boy, great. Great to great to hang out with you here in the Alfresco studio in Arcapoco. This is uh, truly exciting. Yeah, it's fun times uh, here. Uh, I, I can't recall. I think is this, is this your first time in Mexico and at, at, at Arcapulco? I've been to Baja 30 years ago uh, on a, a college road trip with a couple of uh, slabs of Corona. Uh, and I won't say what else we had, uh, but we <laughs> heading for La Paz to surf. And, uh, I, and I've never been to Acapulco, never been to this festival. It's awesome. Uh, really amazing. Uh, very, I mean, unbelievable people here, like innovators, entrepreneurs like top computer coders like these are like the real sort of movers and shakers in the cryptocurrency world and you know in politics as well there's some formidable journalists here broadcasters so you know it's like it's anything but boring let's just put it that way yeah i enjoyed your talk um earlier it was a fantastic talk people uh can purchase it's affordable the the uh replay from anarchapulco uh websites or Ballard vigilante and uh you'll be also be giving a workshop i'm gonna have to miss it because it's during my my show but uh um tell us a bit about you know um the talk you gave in the workshop that you're going to be doing as well yeah the talk uh well we gave a talk on monday the opening day about um propaganda um how we deal with the um doing counter propaganda how we're dealing with censorship cancellation at uh our platform over the last 15 years 21st century wire and of course some sharing some other experiences uh with the other media outlets that i've been uh you know privileged to have been a part of and helped to build uh like the uh alternate current radio network which is still going uh uk column uh which is uh, you know, leading uh, uk independent media outfit and also uh tnt radio exciting new project two years now into this two uh third year already and yeah how fortunate that's been and uh how to you know manage the information space and how to create content that's still impactful how to stay in the game 
uh, in a hostile environment. Uh, there's some of the things we talked about doing a workshop to basically show everybody the insides of our, our, how we organize our business, how we uh, look for revenue streams to fund uh, our platform, 21st Century Wire, and how people can do that independently, keep the overhead down, but keep the effectiveness high and be able to sort of take on new new technologies, new innovations to kind of make things more inexpensive, but yet still get that reach because we have to overcompensate because we're being censored and deplatformed shadow banned so hard that we have to find other ways to sort of you know compensate for the traffic that we lose the, and and our support that we lose because we're not visible uh because of youtube google and some of these nice altruistic compassionate big tech firms that we all know and love and you know patrick is right on the front lines the true information guerrilla or your as we'd say in in spanish and some things i learned in your speech like you're you're on some lists like like legit you mentioned how matt taibbi uh during the twitter files messaged you and you're on these state department dhs um lists and what are some of your other takeaways you know i got briefly to chat with jeff berwick uh this afternoon uh i told him you know, i used to write for dollar vigilante way back in the day under a pseudonym i think he he christened me as jorge gato George Cat, uh, people can type into lurockwell.com, Jorge Gato, in some way, old articles should pop up. And David Avocado Wolf um, chatted with him briefly. A lot of very f fascinating people. The Liberland dude, uh, he, he's supposed to come on the show mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the week as well uh, here. What are some takeaways for you? Yeah, I know a lot of these cats, like it's the first time I've met them. Some of them I, I didn't know before because I'm, I'm kind of not in the crypto community, although we use cryptocurrency and it's helped us over the years to survive. And we get donations sometimes in crypto, 2021 20, Wire does. So like, but in terms of like what's really going on behind the scenes in that space with all the forking that's going on and all the sort of parallel chains and uh, legacy chains and re the re-innovation of privacy coins and so forth and fighting the regulators and all this. So it's like, we're kind of getting an inside um, uh, track on like what it's like in this space. And um, I, I think this is amazing, like in, in terms of the point in history uh the introduction of bitcoin it is really unprecedented and uh here we are you know 10 years later 10 plus years later 15 20 whatever it's gonna be 20 years pretty soon so it didn't it didn't go away it wasn't a flash in the pan like everybody expected but it's still trying to find its way through so um all these guys in in their own ways uh are part of this kind of revolution of i would say independence you could call it anarcho-capitalism whatever you want to call it um it's building parallel structures to either bypass go over or outgrow that's a great term that david uh, avocado wolf said we're outgrowing the uh federal reserve or outgrowing the establishment i think that's what he said yeah and there's uh, you know fascinating stories um talking to attendees overgrowing overgrowing yeah. he's a tree planter right yeah he says we're overgrowing i love the vision of that like like a forest just engulfing all the sort of the old monolithic uh establishment that, that guy for me is on fire i mean his presentation was dynamite he's got so much energy his stuff on health uh, i'm going to be stealing some of those um tips from him and yeah even the attendees all this there's monero talk different currencies some of the stories people have um related to that we're gonna jump real quick to our headlines be right back today's news talk radio we 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 do have some big news what is it yeah what is it what is it now tnt radio news for tnt this is james o'neill the U.S. intelligence community, including the CIA, allegedly engaged foreign intelligence agencies of the Five Eyes Alliance to spy on Trump associates before the 2016 election. According to a report by journalist Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, and Alex Gutentag, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandra Mayorkas became the second cabinet member in U.S. history to be impeached, following a House vote of 214 to 213 on charges related to his management of the border crisis. The Common Housefly Caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. All right, we're talking to the one and only Patrick um, Henningsen. We're down here in Acapulco, Anarchapulco. Did you feel the, 
I, th- I think you slept through the earthquake. It was 6 a.m. Oh, no, yesterday. And I was shaking out of bed right right here. And I came out here like um, in my shorts. Like, what is going on? What? what uh... It was it was I thought I was in California again. The last the last time I was in an earthquake was in uh, San Francisco. Uh, I think it was in 1987 or something like that. I missed the big one in 91. I was at, I was south and towards Los Angeles. But so I, there were two earthquakes. One of them was, was when I was doing my talk on the main stage on Monday. And I was so in the zone that I didn't even notice there was a freaking earthquake. So, and I saw everybody, like people were making funny uh, expressions and I thought they were reacting to my speech, but they weren't. There was a freaking earthquake happening. It lasts about five seconds. And then the next morning, 5 a.m., we got a proper one and we're in the third story of uh, our sort of villa hotel or whatever. And it's like, it's literally the building is a house of cards. And then you realize at that moment, how really insignificant we are in the face of the forces of nature. Um, so it's like very, uh, you know, get, definitely a grounding experience and then boom, it's over. Uh, couldn't go back to sleep after that over to the event. So they've had hurricanes here. They've had earthquakes category five storms narcos and you know it's funny they they you know patrick is so hardcore that the powers that be they released a directed energy weapon during your talk that's how powerful my talk was it really shook the ground underneath the feet of the audience i mean i was like wow i didn't realize the power that i had yeah so yeah yeah that, that you know it's it's tough for people in acapulco here i mean the the economy here things are um you had the hurricane things are broken down you've got the earthquakes now and i asked the locals and they just shrug it off and they said the buildings someone said that the buildings are sort of built for uh, earthquakes and then you got the narcos to navigate uh, as well uh but uh, patrick i want to get sort of your wider thoughts on the state of the world a lot is going on uh we've got the wars that are going on the collapsing financial system uh, you know, bricks and multipolarity are de-dollarizing. Um, you know, your thoughts on what what's happening? I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the multipolar conversation. This is definitely an important conversation right now. That's kind of front and center. We've been talking about geopolitics and the the uh, the shift from one world order to another, or the transition from one uh, global order to another. So, from U.S. hegemon uh to a multipolar order where there's multiple centers of power emerging around the world what does that mean well throughout history it also means there's uh, obviously a chance for some great uh balance in terms of uh the world and that could bring more prosperity but it also means great risk of um, instability uh through cities trap uh is one sort of idea where will the hegemons accept all these other emerging powers and what will they do to disrupt uh to somehow you know slow down their progress china is a good example the belt and road initiative so uh, as I've, I've said many times over the years uh zbigny brzezinski's grand chessboard has never been more relevant and is absolutely in play right now so you can use that to kind of translate what's going on uh in the world especially in central asia uh definitely in the middle east so but but what's really uh, we're at a real cri- a crisis point i think the west is at a crisis point because the you know the latest crusade of all the crusades over the last two centuries the latest one of course was the creation of the state of israel you can look at it through an anglo-american european lens as a the latest kind of crusade to sort of control the middle east disrupt it maybe get it fighting against itself so that it can't rise as a sort of powerful region on its own uh, connected with China and Eurasia and Russia and Iran. So that's now all kind of fraying at the seams and Gaza has accelerated that process. So uh, I'm very worried about what potentially could happen uh, what will the what will the world powers do to preserve their hegemony or to disrupt uh, the rising other rising powers? And when we say rising powers, they're not not necessarily rising to take over the West, but just rising to be independent uh, and maybe be off the dollar system, off the dollar reserve system. So you said de-dollarization, uh, definitely a, a trend. Maybe not moving fast as fast as some people might think. Um, the dollar is still get the the main liquidity game in town globally and that's going to kind of remain that way for a while but over time incrementally there's going to be less and less dependency on the dollar mostly down to u.s policies of aggressive sanctioning and the u.s treasury department uh hammering everybody that they don't like uh 
or they're doing things they don't approve of. So, um, yeah. And so, but, but, uh, Jeff Berwick, who's a founder of Anarchopoco gave a great talk tonight, talking about the money supply, okay. talking about the, uh, the impending uh, stock market collapse, um, that will also create a liquidity crisis, which will also invariably affect uh, the price of Bitcoin, maybe in a negative way in the short term, but these things will rebound, uh, and Bitcoin will become a major hedge digitally like gold is if it's not already it's been adopted by the etfs and some of the big funds so um there's a lot of money going into bitcoin right now but some money might come out and then it will go back in again because ultimately um there's there's more robust systems underpinning a system like bitcoin uh really fu fundamentally than it is fiat currency so really relies on the u.s empire to keep the floating of the u.s reserve currency so these things are changing maybe not as fast as some people would like but they are changing so we're talking about this now but you know, 100 years from now that's the way you got to look you know, what's it going to look like in 50 or 100 years yeah and just going back to the thucydides uh trap situation i'm reading all these reports coming out of the west um that are painting the western militaries um as weak you know the u.s navy um you're having issues in recruitment um the the, the modernization of western weapons and it, it just seems like the west is weak so if we did come do come to some confrontation um it just it doesn't look good for the u.s and european and, and british armies what, what's your take there yeah this is a big conversation i mean a lot of a lot of pro-us pro-war people you know the types of people that hang out in twitter spaces with nafo uh ids on their pfps they'll say well you know the u.s has more powerful military than everybody else combined they've got empty number of nuclear weapons they've got a thousand facilities globally aircraft carries and jets galore and you name it they've got it that that all may be true on paper but what we've learned in the last two years that uh, if you don't have an actual purpose that makes sense with your military power you will just be spinning your wheels and expending huge amounts of resources and lives which is exactly what has happened in ukraine and not getting the objective that you wanted out of it in fact even worse you're, you're worse off than when the thing started to begin with financially militarily and then not even advancing in terms of the technology and battle capabilities fighting of uh you know conventional war uh a combined war combined conventional war so that power doesn't mean anything if you don't know how to apply it or if that application doesn't make sense or worse if that application pisses everybody in the neighborhood off to the point where you now have less allies than when you started and this is a time in history where the united states needs allies more than ever and they're shedding them faster than ever that's the real crisis and that they, you got to have that reflection moment in washington like when is it coming when is that sort of epiphany coming they should be having it now saying guys no instead they're doubling down and that's what we're seeing in ukraine so we're seeing in israel so what we're seeing with uh, probably taiwan could be a similar type of uh, situation could be triggered there so that i don't see anything positive for the united states there other than maybe the defense industry doing really well some stock uh fortune 500 companies doing well uh economy in the us not so well the currency not so well and the people around the world in these zones not not good so yeah and um you know they sent an earthquake to mess with uh patrick's talk and and now there's this huge buzzing sound so a lot of, <laughs> yeah. hear myself think that someone's messing with us i don't know what's going on but uh looking at the situation in north america there was a funny babylon b article the other day which said to distract from civil war biden starts global war uh and there's all this talk of second civil war the the illegal aliens keep filtering in you know we're at, we're at the eye of the storm here um in in mexico and you know i we just see i call it the neo-feudalism right the great reset project wiping out the middle class inflation which is a weapon wielded by the central bank and so um we just see things deteriorating in the u.s um what's your take on this second civil war scenario and and things that might play out uh, at home here it's interesting uh talking to people on this side of the border i've got some mixed reports from especially from uh, some americans living down here 
they're saying that um, they've gone up to do, you know, different sort of uh, relief work for natural disasters into Texas, having gone over the border back and forth, and then doing some of their own citizen journalism investigation about the situation there. And it's really, it's a really polarized in an election year. It's a really polarized issue. So uh, in a way, the worse it is, um, it's actually better for the Republicans during an election cycle. And in Texas, you have to have a reason to uh, really motivate Republican voters to come out. And the border is going to be a big one. That goes for all the other states there. So uh, when, and when Republicans, if they do get into power, clearly there was some good policies that Donald Trump had regarding uh, immigration, not sending the message to the everyone in Central America and all around the world to come, the doors open. I mean, because that makes... Uh, for the flood, for the caravans. So Trump got a lot right on immigration, but the problem is uh, we have a lot of unscrupulous uh, political opportunists in Washington that if you really look at the, they actually could solve the problem right now, probably, um, but it, I don't think it's in the interest of Republicans to solve it in the next 10 months. I really don't. Um, and that's that's a big problem. For the Democrats, it's actually a liability. It's it's become a, they 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 probably deserve all the flack that they're getting. And I think they want to turn Texas blue from an electoral college point of view. Once Texas does turn blue, it's probably almost impossible in perpetuity for Republicans ever to win a presidential election going forward, unless there was some revolution and the Democratic Party got completely discredited as a whole. I mean, outside of that, Texas goes, goes Democrat, like uh, New York or California or something like that. That's it. It's over. So that's the kind of high stakes game that's being played in Washington, which is pretty corrupt. Yeah. And David Avo, Avocado Wolf um, commented on, on this as well, which was fascinating. He was basically saying how, you know, he's like he's not for the Republicans, but they're less worse. And, and we need um, to buy time in any way that we can. And, you know, the Dems are being used to implement this insanity. And, you know, any other thoughts on Latin America, given that, you know, you're down here in, in, in Mexico, we're seeing changes as well in, in Latin America, from El Salvador to uh, Brazil um, and, and and beyond. You know, th thoughts on uh, Mexico as well. Yeah, I mean, I've been down here a long time. Like I said, haven't like really seen the country that much. We'll spend time, you know, in Mexico City and uh, here for a few days to kind of have a look around and get a feel for things. But um, clearly, like it's uh, in terms of infrastructure, you know, the further you get out of the big cities, it's a very different story. Um, so there's that those are issues as well. I think tourism has been hit pretty hard, uh, especially uh, around here, obviously, because of the storm. Um, that's had a huge effect on the economy here and people's livelihoods. And I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, so natural disasters are a big problem here. But uh, Central America as well. I mean, all these countries in uh, Latin America will suffer from a brain drain, a human capital uh, drain as well. So how are they going to compensate for that? Um, and I, my fear is that they become cheap destinations for digital nomads and uh, crypto refugees and people like that. So you have this servant class and you have this wealthy foreign class and they become this wealthy denizen uh, enclaves and all good for, you know, the entrepreneur. And yeah, they can create wealth there, but it becomes kind of expat colonies. And I can kind of see that really kind of formulating now, whereas what, what's that mean for the domestic population? How are they going to benefit from it? Are they Can they thrive and transform their uh, political economy in these countries? And that's the big, like, question that's the big challenge can they do that on their own i look at what's happening with bukele in el salvador he seems like he's kind of on the right tip uh with that you know being a a good leader opportunity uh economic opportunities and so forth but you know uh, how pervasive is that nicaragua a lot of positive things there even though it's like you know highly socialist government but you know they're, they're doing a lot of free market solutions to attract direct foreign investment so there's a lot of interesting things happening still very much tourist reliant some of these states smaller states um maybe not so great on natural resources import a lot of stuff that's the problem with small states but if they come together, but will they be allowed to come together? That's the big question. Yeah, and that was an interesting point you you made. It, it relates to what I um, read about is this neo-feudalism. It's a neo-imperialism. Uh, you know, I've seen maps of where Amazon is like taking over Latin America with their servers and all these 
um, digital products. And it's a new form of imperialism where it's, it's a big tech, it's digital. Um, the new empire is, is digital, not like the old, you know, Spanish or Dutch and, and British. And it's in this new form. And yeah, as you say, we could have this, these flood of, it'll be a two-class system like middle ages again in yeah. not just in latin america i mean especially here but it's also happening in the u.s and in the west where it's just uh the upper class and 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 the lower class it's time for our break we will be right back de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective i really don't understand how this trial between michael mann and mark stein is continuing and i don't know if dr mann wanted to put his hockey stick on trial. There are so many holes in his argument. It is hard to believe. I don't even understand how people could have let that out without questioning it. And I've talked about this before. One of the biggest problems I have is he won't let anyone look at his data. At least no one that is skeptical of his data. And that should raise red flags. And I've talked about this many, many times. You can go and look at what the global temperature does. When it's warm in the eastern and central part of the United States and warm across Europe, usually the global temperature is elevated. Now, when it's cold in those areas, believe it or not, the global temperature is actually colder. The problem with this whole hockey stick and the recreation of temperatures from pine cones is the areas he looks at and draws his ideas from are usually cold when the earth is warm. So he would not be able to detect that. He would not know that because he's not a meteorologist. If he was a meteorologist, would he know it? Of course he'd know it because we talk about this all the time. They're called teleconnections. So if I were in there talking about this, I'd be asking, where is your meteorology background and are you aware of this going on? But in any case, this whole hockey stick idea of temperature recreation looks to be more of a hokey stick to a lot of us out there. And the first red flag is you wouldn't let anyone look at your data. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, our final segment here with uh, mi compañero, Patrick Henningsen. It's it's funny uh, always to meet other TNT colleagues uh, in the flesh. Uh, and so uh, that's very cool. I was hanging out last year in Texas with Brian Hesher. Uh, McLean didn't get to meet Ruckus. Um, met with Joe Olson. I can't even remember who else. Uh, but yeah, fun times. And um one thing that I worry about, Patrick, is the the digitalization, right? The algorithm ghetto, mm. um, these digital IDs that all governments are prepping, the cashless systems and, and CBDCs. How are you sort of evaluating that trajectory? Yeah, we have some good conversations here at Anarchapoco uh, 2024 on this. We discussed it on our uh, previous broadcast this week as well. And um, it is interesting to see, you know, it's, it's interesting because the CBDC issue is obviously this looms large. This is a big game changer. Uh, if a central bank digital currency is introduced, what's that going to mean to people in their lives? Uh, what's that? What kind of power and control is that going to give government in terms of, you know, doling out UBI, getting people basically on the state payroll to even even if they're not working and, you know, kind of uh, controlling compliance on all things, all measures, politics and otherwise based on vaccines, whatever, based on uh, your ability to get CBDCs from the government. Um, so like, what? how's that going to shape up? It hasn't come yet. Like the Enron hasn't arrived. We're almost like there. You could feel it knocking on the door two years ago delayed and a, a, I think a big wide broad rejection of all this sort of vaccine passport digital wallet agenda that everyone saw was nefarious and was going to be used to you know uh, restrict people's ability to travel to buy and sell without the mark no 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 bible uh, pun intended um so but that hasn't happened and what's happened what that what's what's what that means uh, Havori, is it's given uh, alternative 
tracks like cryptocurrency like bitcoin it's given them a chance to to kind of retool and optimize and we're seeing a lot of optimization on the blockchains in terms of speed uh, the ability to handle volumes of transactions and maybe even uh, eventually a reduction in transaction fees which is going to make uh, cryptocurrency or bitcoin be more ubiquitous as a means of exchange rather than a type of you know investment or a hedge so these are the sort of things i think that are probably happening um and we've got a time to make some of those things happen and what it needs is escape velocity because if if they can achieve escape velocity and have all the freedom and liberty attached to these parallel uh economies and systems then basically when the cbc cbdc rolls around yeah it's going to get some buy-in because there'll be a sort of a, a value differential between the free the fiat currency maybe you know 10 20 and maybe eventually more difference between the fiat dollar and the cbdc so everyone want to transfer their money to get more for their money by moving it into cbdc's and that's how that transfer is just generally going to take place hasn't happened yet and now we're looking at the system and we're, we're we're realizing that if it is introduced it will not be able to take effect overnight unless there is some major cataclysmic crisis that would force people like when you have a bunch of people who are homeless penniless or some ec some massive economic uh apocalyptic crash that would require governments to come in and deposit money into millions of people's wallets that they download from the federal reserve or whatever that's literally from directly from central bank too so it's the you know going direct as uh Catherine Austin Fitz and uh, uh, John Titus, I believe her uh, colleague, talk have talked about for so long, and they're absolutely right mm -hmm. on that. So, but then it's the, it's the time it takes. The, the more people learn about it, the more people realize the the, the things that are going to go, the strings are going to be attached to that. I think I think people are going to be taking this seriously. Why exactly do we need this? And don't we have a problem with our own uh, fiat system? That are we are we printing too much money? Are they you know inflating the currency too much? At the moment, the U.S. government is deflating the currency uh, more than any other time in history. And we were, they were talking about that today during the crypto talk. Jeff Berwick was talking about that. So and and why is that important? Well, it means that there's going to be a crash that's going to follow that. Historically, this is always the case. When is is it going to happen what form is it going to take how big will that crisis be is that what's being engineered right now a perfect storm to ram through a central bank digital currency or at least get its foothold in is that what's going to happen uh yeah we got to start talking about it people got to start writing about it debating about it and you know because then there's a chance that if that happens if anybody does have that sort of master plan that evil master plan uh then there's a chance it could be uh somewhat delayed somewhat disrupted maybe you know derailed perhaps so hey you know yeah that was one thing you mentioned in your talk about you your guys's work on syria white helmets and at least being able to lay to, to stop a war, delay a war, or military action, or CBDCs—that's a small victory. Someone in the chat says, "Lou says, love listening to the dulcet tones of Mr. Patrick Henningsen. You guys are awesome." And Ruckus says, "As long as I don't ask Patrick about about virology, it should be fine." Don't we talked about that last night at Max Egan's bar? Oh yeah, so had yeah, a good chat about no, that. No, yeah. no, no, no worry about that and you know i had on the last hour curtis stone the urban uh farmer who i, I can't recall if he already gave a talk or not he he, he is speaking uh, i think he still hasn't given his talk i uh, and he's you know he's awesome and i i picture you as this roving correspondent uh you know if if the tomato hits the fan where would patrick hennison uh run for the hills to i would go to wherever the eye of the storm is because that's usually going to be the safest place so you know if, if that if that's kicking off i'd go straight to you know beirut damascus sanaa and yemen these are the be the best places to be or tehran uh to get a good bird's eye view of what's happening you know if if that sort of conflagration comes so and you know that's going to be the place to experience that so i i don't think western europe's going to be that fun or that interesting and maybe America might. Just, America's big and uh, diverse, so some interesting things always happen, for sure. And a lot of those movers and shakers and trendsetters, they're here at Anarchapoco. Yeah, and uh, uh, Ruckus, uh, virology's not a problem here at all. It's not a problem at Anarchapoco. Nobody believes in it, so it's absolutely cool. 
but we do believe in earthquakes so um we've got a couple minutes left thoughts on the alternative uh independent media space you know there's some criticism with the some alt media becoming legacy media uh, again infiltration um and you know some of the obstacles that we have as well as opportunities i still feel like we can keep going um it's not over yet but you know any, any other thoughts in, on this space well yeah this the, that 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 is coming up more often and more and more and i think everyone's copying on to the fact that the uh the so-called new alternative media we're talking about the high-end a sort of elite tier is basically no different than how it basically functions on the same principles as Hollywood, um, whereby, you know, the top presenters, the top shows, the top organizations will, you know, dangle the carrot of millions of dollars over some of these uh, content creators and threaten to withhold that if they don't sort of toe the line or if they speak out of turn on certain issues and look look at uh i mean the daily wire that's come up in the debate panels and listen they're signing people to contracts that are way in excess of what some of the biggest hollywood stars make 50 million a year you know people like jordan peterson and these these sort of sort of sums that are being kicked around you know like tom cruise that'd be a good year for him uh just for like doing a few films so you know put that in perspective this is no different than hollywood basically and that kind of money buys a lot of um loyalty uh on certain issues and that's what we're seeing right now so they, they've taken a lot of these so-called influencers completely out of the game on a number of topics key topics and bought their silence, bought their complicity, bought their support for some of the most uh, heinous and outrageous stuff that's going on around the world. And all, all their supporters, uh, many of them are none the wiser because they didn't, you know, they didn't want, they're not expecting their heroes or their pundits to be opining on, you know, what's going to be the trigger for World War III. They just were like happy that Jordan told them to make their bed every morning. And then if they did that, life's going to be hunky-dory. We're, we're almost out of time, Patrick. Real quick, your thoughts on the future for TNT Radio. Uh, future for TNT Radio. Listen, the future is like every moment for TNT. It's uh, talk radio 24-7-365. Nobody else is doing that. So it never stops. It's all, always going all the way around the clock. It's always there. It's a constant uh, in a lot of people's lives. And I think that's what the, the brand is building right now. Uh, that sort of uh, familiarity and making a TNT a part of people's lives, like any good uh, media platform, uh, it strives to do just that. So uh, onwards. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of people here again from all around the world who tune in to TNT Radio. So we're trying our best here in this little battleship to take from your talk. Uh, this little bat battleship we are powering forward. All right. We're going to try not get uh, kidnapped here um, in no, Mexico. No, no. <laughs> if we get kidnapped, we're going to be taken to a really good party, I think. Maybe. Uh, real quick, where do people find uh, Patrick Hennington? You can find me on uh, Monday to Fridays at uh, TNT Today's News Talk on this very network. Monday to Fridays, the Patrick Henningsen Show, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. UK time and 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That will change as we go spring up an hour uh, as Brisbane stays where it is. Everyone else has to change around it. That's how important Brisbane is in the global all right it's it's yeah it's time to go have some mezcal and and hang out with david avocado wolf curtis stone uh, max egan and all those folks uh see everyone tomorrow